Hi, hello and welcome to another episode from, of course, China. My name is Fernando and Ziv. And today we are joined by Jim Mann. Jim is from the United States. So Ziv, why don't you tell us something about Jim? Yeah, sure. Uh, Jim, uh, James Mann. Mm-hmm. He is uh, from uh, upstate New York and he came to Dongguan in 2010. In 2011, he started something very special called the Dongguan Dragons Baseball Club um, because his son wanted to play ball and for some other reasons we're going to talk about. Uh, he also has a lot of history with uh, baseball and other sports. And um, thank you for being here, Jim. Thank you guys for uh, inviting me. I really appreciate it. All right. Um, Jim, why don't you um, take us back to um, your growing up with baseball and uh, when did you start playing and um, what did, where did it take you? Well, my, my dad played ball and we all, like every other American kid, started playing baseball when you're five in, in Little League. You play t-ball. But my brother and I started when we were two in the backyard, throwing, pitching, uh, catching, fielding with my dad. So we were always a little more advanced than the other kids at five years old. We could hit a little bit better. We could throw a little bit better because we, he was working with us every day. Mm-hmm. How, how is, uh, uh, like, what, what exactly can you do when you are two? And then why other kids don't right. start at two? Well, the Dragons, we start kids at two. Right. We're, we, we go two to 18 in, in age. And at two, it's just getting used to the ball, getting used to putting on a glove, getting used in, and comfortable coming to the field. Um, and then learning how to hold a bat, how to swing a bat like that. The attention span for a two-year-old is, is uh, really not as much as it could be. But if you get a little bit, then they're more comfortable when they're three. They're more comfortable when they're four. And then after, okay, so you started at two as a kid. And then uh, you joined the Little League? Like what age? At five. is You have to be five years old in America to join Little League. And then you played up to? Uh, all, my whole life. Your whole life, <laughs> yeah. right? Yes. So, 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 as uh, you playing baseball as a, as a kid in primary school, in uh, middle school, everybody play or a lot? A lot. Uh, you know, it's it's our national pastime in America, so a lot of kids play, and then up until about twelve or thirteen, and then it starts. Kids start doing other things, right? And some people continue to play on travel teams and uh, and free teams, but. 12 or 13 is where the break point, I think, is in the States where a lot of people stop playing. I noticed a lot of Americans that play sport, they play one sport, they play many sports. Right. Did you play other things? I played basketball up until I, up until high school. I wasn't good enough in high school. Um, those were the two, baseball and basketball. We didn't play American football. We didn't play volleyball. It was baseball and basketball only, really. Do you recommend uh, kids or parents to encourage kids to play more than one sport? God yes, please. How how do you how do you do that? How watch which one you give more time to? Well, it's up to the kid. In my opinion, I tell parents, let them try all of them, and the ones that they like more, play more. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's exactly what my father did. That's how yeah. I ended up playing baseball in Colombia. But yeah. yeah, it was a very short short career. Right. Um. So tell us a little bit more about your. Uh, coming to Asia um, when did that happen uh, are we skipping a lot or well I, I came over to Asia in, in 89 to start with footwear and while I was, I was working for the big N and what was the story there was a story there right why did you actually get to come to Asia I mean because they needed people and I was available and I, we, we thought we there was five of us we thought we were interviewing for a job and uh, Dave Taylor, one of the original Nike guys, he just said, you guys are going to Asia two weeks from now. And you're going here, you're going here, you're going here. Go downstairs and get your paperwork done and get out of here. And uh, I, had a, I had to go look on a map and see where Korea was. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then convinced my mother that I was moving to Korea at 24 years old. And that, that was a tough sell. So that was 89? Yeah. Came to Korea uh, to make shoes? To make, yeah, to work as a quality inspector for Nike. Production manager. Right. And then uh, uh, then you did some sports there, too. Well, I, yeah, we, we were doing things in Korea. We were playing up on the military base, softball a lot, that type of thing. And But at Nike, every every two or so years, you, you transfer to another country. So that it, And that's a good thing. That means you're moving up the ranks, so it's okay. So you didn't stay there for too long? No, not the first time. I went back another time to Korea, though. Right. Yeah, that was to play ball. <laughs> right. So, so actually, that was the second time you went back. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, uh, 
okay, since we talk about coming to Asia, walking for shoes, maybe we take a little detour and, and we ask more about that because we are sitting in a city that is known for shoes right, right. now, Dongguan, <laughs> South China. And uh, although we are here to play about, to talk about baseball, um, shoes is, is something that uh, I think a lot of our audience uh, are interested in. So how was it to make shoes in Korea in the end of the 80s, the 90s? Well, the Koreans were the first ones to make the large amounts of shoes all around the world and then the Taiwanese. And then when everything got costed out of there or the expenses got too high, we all knew we were coming to China at some point because the labor costs were lower and Dongwon ended up being the place. Mm -hmm. how, how was the, uh, like, so the cost of making shoes in Korea started to be too much? That's what happened. And then when it came to China? Well, the labor rates in Korea went, went higher after, after the 88 Olympics. Right. Because they went really from a third world, out of a third world type situation uh, excuse me, and the labor rates in China were a lot cheaper back then. And and how, how do you compare Koreans making shoes to Chinese making shoes now? Well, Koreans don't make shoes anymore. Yeah, but, <laughs> but back, back then, then, back and, then, and the China now, they're they're compatible to each other now. Oh, yeah, okay. It took it took China about twenty years, okay, uh, which was faster than most other countries, but now they make them at the same at the same level as the Taiwanese and the Koreans. Yeah. All right. So from Korea, the first stint, um, where did that take you? Thailand, Taiwan, Indonesia, and then back to Korea. Wow. So during all this uh, years working in Asia, did you play ball in other countries? All those countries. Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Uh, to what extent? Mostly softball. And then uh, in Indonesia, they were trying to start a pro league. Um, so I played in their, their pro league for the one year. Uh, it didn't get off the ground past the one year. Um, I played in Taiwan and in the minors, the low minors in Taiwan. Taiwan baseball is very, very good. Um, and then when I got back to Korea the second time, I had a chance to play in the minor leagues there for two years. Which which of these uh, Asian countries best in baseball? Well, the Japanese are probably the best, but Korea is right behind them now, and Taiwan's not far behind that. Right. <laughs> those those are the three big ones, yeah. So so you you were in Asia. I mean, you're in Asia since '89. You never went back. Uh, I went. We went back in 2000. Okay. And, uh, and then came back in 2010. Yeah. So why did you go back to um, back was, home? It was time to go home and work in the states for a little while and a little bit of a reality check. Yeah. <laughs> stateside, um, and then realized I wanted to come back. What did you do when you went back? Anything with baseball? Sure, I was playing uh, independent ball there and uh, and working in shoe company. Okay, so baseball and shoes. Yes, all the time. It's always <laughs> been baseball and shoes. Right. Okay. All right. You you mentioned at the at the beginning that uh, you started uh, Dragons because your son wanted to play baseball, or you wanted your son to play baseball. I don't know which one was uh, the correct uh, sentence. Um, at what age did he start, and did this happen in the states or? Yeah, he was born in America while we were in the states. Uh, he started playing at two years old. Okay. Um, same as me, and you know, playing in, in the yard and everything else. And then he played uh, two years of Little League in America, five and six, and then we moved back overseas. And when we saw that there wasn't baseball, we, for a while he was going to Hong Kong every weekend because they have a very big baseball group there. Right. And um, so then the Dragons in 2011, we said, all right, let's try it. Let's let's try to put something together here. Uh -huh. And it's it's fashioned after the uh, Jamen Armandillos, which was a restaurant that sponsored the Jamen team. They had a similar thing, a free Saturday group up in, in Jamen area in Fujian. So when we came down here, I enlisted two friends of mine, one Taiwanese, John Lung, and, and one Korean, S.Y. Jung, to help me try to put together and start the Dragons. And October 15, 2011, the dragons were born. With was right here. Right on this, well, on this ground, it wasn't a field. It was a soccer field. <laughs> the owner of ISD, Horace Song, said, yeah, you can have it for free. Use it. And we got a couple coaches, and we sat around that morning and prayed that people showed up. <laughs> and some did. <laughs> How many kids did you have? We didn't have much, anywhere between five and ten. That first day? The first day. When, yeah. when This is a time when there was no social media or too much social media. Correct. How did you get the word around for people in the city like, hey, 
We're trying something for kids. I mean, how we, did that get around? Yeah, we printed flyers in English, Chinese, and Korean, and we put them everywhere we could think of. Oh. <laughs> and then uh, word of mouth. A lot of word of mouth. Went to QSI and handed out flyers. Went to TLC and handed out flyers. These are all international schools all the in the schools, city. Right, mm -hmm. right. Um, and then a friend of mine went to a couple Chinese schools and handed out these flyers, and just said it's free. And that was a bit of a. <laughs> so, so the idea of the the Dongguan uh, Dragons, um, like you said, it's a free program, right? right? It's a non-profit <coughs> program. Right. Kids, parents don't pay anything. They don't pay anything. Right. Uh, how how is that possible? In the beginning, in, in the beginning, with a <laughs> with a bunch of guys who donated money for equipment. Right now, the program's gotten so big, uh, the companies donate product to us, which helps. Mm -hmm. And then we do a fundraiser once a year at the at One for the Road for the Chili Cookoff. Uh, it's it's been a bit of a struggle because the Chinese parents think if it's free, it must not be good. Right. And <laughs> I'd rather pay you because then it, it might be good. And we have ex-pro players. We have a bunch of Taiwan guys who donate their time because all the coaches donate their time also on Saturdays. And it's guys who have played before, played college ball, played pro ball somewhere. They come and donate their time. And with the, the chili cook-off money that we raise and the donations from companies like Hutch and Easton and Rawlings, we can provide it for free. Right. So, so at, first, at first, Chinese parents come here and they first they don't believe it's free. Then no, they, not even the hat that I give them for free every time. Then they, they ask how free. come it's free, right? Right. Maybe it's not good. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and then after a while, they, they start getting it. I mean, the love for the sport you guys have, that's why you're doing it. They start to see the passion that the coaches have. I mm -hmm. mean, we're out here from 7.30 to 3, 3 o'clock every Saturday, and they wonder why, and they see the passion. And, you know, two, three, four times the, 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 the boy or girl comes, and they start. if they start to like it, they keep coming, and... They also get free English. I mean, we do everything in English and Chinese. It wasn't supposed to be an English class, but why not? Right. And then they start to realize that this is pretty good. And their kid's getting exercise, and he's learning something else, and he's interacting with every country. I mean, we have people from everywhere on Saturdays. Why don't you take me through uh, the journey of a kid that comes to um, the, the, the Dragons the first time? Okay. What is the first thing that you do, um, and, and what are the different steps that he will right. take? Uh, the first thing we do is I kneel down and I shake hands with the boy or girl, okay. and I give them a free hat, and I make them say their name in English. Uh -huh. um, and then we talk about gloves, sotao, uh -huh. and where, you know, what are they, how do they write in school, then we decide how to show them how to put the glove on. And then the real basics, how to field the ball, how to throw a ball, how to swing a bat, how to catch it and not get hit in the head. Um, and have fun and talk to the other kids and run bases and do some exercise and not just sit in front of a computer or a Game Boy or a, a iPad or something yeah. like that. So they, they get comfortable, one, again, with foreign coaches. Because mm -hmm. with some of these kids, they really haven't had interaction with a foreign person more than, hi, I'm fine. Yeah. What's your name? <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> right. So, but everything's in English and in Chinese on Saturday. So there is a comfort level there that we'll make sure and it's just getting them comfortable to come on the field and try to do something exercise in the first group on Saturdays we use a softer baseball so nobody gets hurt and uh, then we slowly try to teach them the game and the rules because there's a lot of rules in baseball and what to do and where to go and if they get better excuse me they um, they get to go to the second level the 12 and under and then they're playing more games against each other like intramural inter-squad type games when did they start holding a bat right away right away right away, right away yeah so what's the success rate like what's the percentage of these kids coming here first time and coming back the second time coming back percentage rate is high it's 80 85 percent yeah okay but then uh, like is there like uh, uh, how long because what's the percent of kids that really go the long the long way well, we've had, we've had some go all the way through, from T-ball to intermediate to advanced to travel. Right. We've, we, but that's a small amount. That's, that's a 5%er or, or less, right. right. So that first day you had 5 to 10 kids here, right? 2011, October. Yes. Uh, how, how fast did it grow? Like, what did you have the next month? What did you have six months later? What, do you remember that? Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, Word of mouth spread very fast, and we were up to 30, 40 kids, and we plateaued there for a while. Okay. Then Four we moved. At the beginning? In the beginning, yeah. 
Yeah, and we built. We had to build backstops. We had to bring in equipment from Korea or Taiwan or hand carry from the states uh, because it was just wasn't available here. Right. And we moved to a field out in Chang'an, a softball field that they donated for us, and that brought it up to about sixty or seventy kids. And then there was a school here in Dongguan that a, 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 one of the, a girl and a boy both came to the Dragons and really liked it and then told her school. And then all of a sudden it started jumping, 2015, 2016. Yeah, Chinese school. Right. And they told another Chinese school, told another Chinese school like that. Right. And 2016, 17, we're up, and now we're up over 300 kids. So there also was some media coverage, right, from other medias, from Chinese media? Yeah, well, you guys. Uh, from <laughs> you guys were the first. But, I mean, yeah, uh, uh, Dongwon Dong Daily came, uh, a Dongwon radio station came out, and honestly, they were shocked it was free also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, there, there, and we, had, we were in a Dongwon newspaper uh, a couple of times. That you know, there's foreigners out here teaching baseball, like a discover baseball type thing, and uh, that also helped. It, it so got it. Over got it out. Kids now. Yes, over 300. How about, kids. how about the government? Do they support you? Do they you do. Have a relationship with them? Yeah, we do have a relationship with the government. Um, the uh, if we have a tournament here, they'll donate money to help out with the tournament, and then um, hopefully, well, it was supposed to be this spring, but we're hoping for next fall with the virus issue that uh, we'll have a tournament that the winning teams get money prizes that the government donates. So this is a local government, Dongguan? Local government, Dongguan. Dongguan. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what is the conversation with them? They just want to promote sports, promote baseball specifically? No, no, it's all sports. They do it for all sports. They have, if there's a tournament, and, an, and especially if you make it an international tournament, Hong Kong's considered international, um, and we have, we've brought in other teams from other countries, then they help out with money for prize money and the other teams to travel and come here and everything else. Yeah. So, so, so over 300 kids now you developed over the years. It's really getting gotten big now. And what what kind of what kind of milestones did you have? Like, for example, I know you had. I know at a certain year when was it when you started to have the MLB clinics. You, right. you had some famous players coming here. Yep. You had you, you joined the little league. Maybe you can tell us more about those things. Yes. Uh, MLB has always helped us. MLB China has been fantastic. Uh, sans the virus, they were coming down here two times a year, and they'll continue to do that to help us out. Um, we we became a chartered little league in 2019 out of Williamsport, the little league organization. But the milestones to me as as a coach, uh, we sent um, Ty Higginbotham, who grew up here, and he got a full scholarship ride to a Division II school to play baseball, Belmont Abbey in North Carolina. Uh, Jonathan Trapeau, who played here and in Hong Kong, and he's playing Division III ball in Union College in New York, my alma mater. <laughs> and, um, and Freeman Yu, who was in our program from the beginning, uh, was signed by MLB China. He's now in their academy. Those are the milestones to us. As, the coach. The, as a coach. The, the, the other things are great. Uh, the field was a milestone. 2016, Horace wanted to build a field, and a bit of a visionary, he was able to see that it was going to help his town because he's mm -hmm. from Nancheng, and then also his school. How how did you guys uh, manage to build it? Because I suppose there is challenges to getting something like this built in China, where there's not much experience in doing this. Painfully. <laughs> Painfully. How long did it take? Uh, I took. Seven months, completely. Um, the biggest challenge was obviously a, a guy who doesn't speak enough Chinese talking to a company that only speaks Chinese, and the translators were Chinese people. Who had no idea about baseball. Who had no idea about baseball. Mm. And you can't move some of the, 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 the measurements, and you have to figure out what a dugout is. That's the places for the teams to right. sit in. Um, but what we ended up doing that helped the, the Taiwan coaches got involved and they became the translators. And then that helped <laughs> proceeding forward. <laughs> I see um, a lot of houses at the back. Yeah. Um, when I used to play baseball, that was an issue because people were batting and were hitting it, windows and whatnot. Do you guys have got, got that kind of trouble? The older here? boys, yeah. We When they hit some bombs, they hit some home runs. Uh, we're, not, we're, we're hitting baseballs off their doors and it's a construction company out there. But we were here before they were set up. Uh, okay. So when they got set up, we told them, 
it, it doesn't happen a lot, but you're going to get some baseballs hitting on your roof and waking you up and that type of stuff, especially early in the morning. So this, this, this uh, ballpark, you say it could be the best one in China. It's not could, it is the best one in it China. It is the best one in China. Yes, sir. You've been around. You've seen... I've seen every one in China. You've seen facilities. Everyone. There are, there are fields, right? There are, oh, yeah, there's fields. Zongshan has a beautiful field. Um, Guangzhou, Tianhe Stadium is pretty beat up, but it's still there. Shenzhen just built a couple new fields. They're nice. Right. Um, Shanghai American School has four fields. They're gorgeous, but that's Shanghai. But right. down here, this is the best field around. And the people that built it now after uh, pulling all those uh, teeth uh, can build more now. <laughs> I, know, I guess now they got the experience. They got the experience now, yeah. We were the guinea pig, I think. <laughs> right. Is it the first time that you uh, were involved in uh, building a field? No. I, I When I was commissioner of baseball in New Jersey, I did help with the field, the fields there, too. Right. Yeah. The first time it was an all-turf field. It's mm -hmm. the first time I've built an all-turf field. And that, that has uh, a lot of restrictions and rules to it with the water and cushion and stuff like that. So you have to make sure that uh, it's a little bit different, a little bit easier after it's built because you don't have to mow the lawn and you don't have to worry about rain. I mean, if it rains here in 20 minutes, we're playing. Okay. Yeah, because it, it, it drains very well. Right. And then we also have a lot of the softball teams come and rent the field. Because there is a lot of Taiwanese. Right, Taiwanese groups that rent it. Um, and then we've also rented it a couple times to just people want to come use the field and play. Mm -hmm. play around and, and stuff like that but uh hong kong teams come that come in in the summertime they rent it for two weeks and th do their camps here oh, wow. yeah homantin baseball group does and we've had a and we've had a lot of teams that'll just say hey can we come this saturday and work out with you guys because they don't have access to a field right. so, so you accommodate them sure if, if it's, if it's I, we don't even charge them if we're already here, if we're already here working out and they just want to come practice, we just tell them, come on. Um, I wanted to uh, go a little bit more into this idea that this is a free program. So uh, what are the costs of, of running uh, this this park, uh, all this um, equipment? What do the parents have to pay for? Uh, you say it's free, absolutely 100% free. Where do you get things? The, what is the cost? Blood, sweat, and tears. <laughs> a, a lot of sweat. So the Dragons is free. Yeah. Every Saturday it's free. It'll always be free as long as I'm here and alive. Um, we do get now donations. We get bats from Easton that help out tremendously. These are expensive bats. We, mm -hmm. and they, they, they give us bats all the time. Hutch Baseball is our number one sponsor mm -hmm. um, with gloves, with uniforms. Um, we talk we work with a factory that makes Rawlings baseballs here in Hoje and they allow us to buy baseballs at a discounted price because we have a free program okay so the money that we raise pays for that stuff mm -hmm. you know and when we have tournaments we pay for umpires we have to sometimes we even help teams get here because we have a bigger budget with the free stuff than some of these other chinese teams and if a player gets better than the norm they can then try to join the academy they have to try out all the coaches unanimous, unanimously decide um then there's a fee now this is the academy chilean academy chilean academy right okay right this, is, this, this uh, belongs to isd international school right the isd is the isd chileans their mascot this is chilean park right then the chilean academy is all guys who came from the dragons Okay. But can come from other places too. But they can come from other places too. Same as the Dragons, right? right. We have we have academy players that they're not at ISD. Mm, okay. But there is a fee for the academy because it's not expensive. It's twelve thousand renminbi a year. Okay. Yeah. This but, is every day. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, okay. Yeah. Much. Wednesday, I got one day off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or I'd be divorced. <laughs> um, the academy players are the ones that travel to international tournaments okay that get scouted that get looked at for colleges that type of thing that's not going to come out of the dragons except tyrex he went the, the boy playing in division two right. he was only dragons because the chilens wasn't here he when, wasn't when he right, right right when did the chilings started then 2016 2016 okay <laughs> right are there so, any other academies like this in china uh yes <laughs> three weeks ago Oh, oh okay. uh, we played them Friday. 
uh, 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 Wu, who came out of the MLB Academy, he was the first person to sign to go play in America, played with the Baltimore Orioles minor leagues for five years. He was released. He came back to Shenzhen, where he's from, and he just started an academy in Shenzhen. Okay. His is not free, <laughs> <laughs> but he is doing it the right way. And they came Friday and played against us. Who won? We won. <laughs> you shouldn't have to ask that, Ziv. <laughs> but we're, 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 we're helping his program. He's building, up the, he's building up the right way, and he's teaching kids the right way. Same program as ours, and we're always going to help teams like so, that. So uh, is baseball a sport that, I mean, anyone can play, even if you come from a poor family? Is it one of those? Without a doubt, because if you look at the Dominicans, the Colombians, yeah. uh, Latin Americans, they're coming from a lot of poor families, and they all play baseball pretty well. Especially in our group. If you come for the Dragons, you just need to wear a pair of sneakers. Uh -huh. right. We supply everything else. But we've also been blessed to run into companies like Hutch right. or Easton. But then as they get better, they want to practice at home. They're near home. They need to get their own. We tell them it's a good idea to, and we right. also take some of the equipment here when we cycle it out and give it away to kids to go use. How often do you do that? How often do you renew, for example, a bowl? Well, if they don't hit it off the construction things, <laughs> so those take a couple of weeks to get back. Um, we buy baseballs four times a year. Four times a year. And how many do you buy each time? A lot. <laughs> Thousands? A uh, little, close, yeah. Wow. Close. But you do, you do like you said, you, you know the factory that make right. them. Right, right. Somewhere. Hoje. In Hoje. Yeah. And these are also the ones that they use uh, in games back home yes. in America? That is that is the MLB ball. Okay. But it's a blemish ball. If you look, the, there's a little bit of red you can see running mm -hmm. here. So MLB won't buy them, so they sell them to us at a reduced price, and we're happy as anything. Don't care about the blemish. <laughs> We don't care about the blemishes. Right. What, what is the... Uh, um, What is the goal, the end goal for you with these dragons? Um, is it is it getting a player into the MLB? Is it getting the first Chinese players uh, to? I mean, is it getting Chinese players to be really good at baseball? I mean, I, I know it started from your son and your love for baseball, but there is something much bigger here, right? There is something much bigger, but that wasn't the expectation, and it still isn't. It's just to bring baseball here. I mean, my son's going to graduate next year. He's leaving to go play baseball in America. We're still here. Um, to get a player in MLB, yeah, sure, that'd be great, but that's a long way away. I might be too old by then. Um, it's just to bring the sport that we all love, all the coaches, like I said, that donate their time, to, we're here, so let's bring it to China. It's not like, so it's still that kind of feeling for you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Always will like be. It's not like I gotta get... No, 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 no. no. It's, is, is, it, is it a little bit like the... Like the basketball, uh, the NBA roadmap, you know, try to try to make baseball a, a national sport or or a very important sport in China as basketball is. I think that's MLB's goal. Mm -hmm. They have three academies up north, and they're trying to find the Yao Ming of baseball. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. Um, Xi Jinping, two years ago, said he wants to have a a good baseball team, a national team. Um, I'd love a player to be on that. That'd be, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, MLB is going to a lot of countries, not just China. India, they just opened up India. Dave Polisi is down there running MLB India. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get international using, as you said, the blueprint that NBA did. Um, it's just a little harder. <laughs> Who is the, the, Yao, the, next, the Yao Ming of, of, of baseball in China? What kind of kid it is today what kind of person it is what do you need to have to be that they have to have they have to start when they're younger yeah. they have to learn the game the right way they have to have respect for the game the right way and they have to have the passion for the game and obviously the ability Physio physiologically speaking I mean we talked about Latino players mm -hmm. and we talk about American players are there like differences uh, in their body and the way they're built uh, that makes them better players? Not built. Body, yes. Nah. Built, built, it doesn't matter. One of the best players in the world is five foot seven, okay. Jose Altuve, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then you have a guy who's 6'4", John Carlos Stanton. 
but they're both great ball players. Mike Mike Trout, the best player in the world right now, is six foot one. So it doesn't matter your size; it matters. And the difference now with the Chinese compared to Latin American players is the core strength of the body for Latin players is better. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from soccer, football, because they're okay. getting more core strength playing when they're little, and then they go into another sport and they're stronger bodies. I've always, I've always uh, been amazed of, of seeing um, baseball players that are a little bit overweight. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> and pitchers, and, pitchers. Yeah, you're like, mm, <laughs> how does that square with being a sport? Uh, what is the advantage of, of being overweight? I mean, apart from the simple physics. <laughs> There aren't players that are overweight unless they're pitching. Okay. Because the pitchers can walk out to the mound, throw as long as they can throw, and then walk back. <laughs> the other guys are, are all in great shape because they got to run, slide, everything else. Uh, you see guys, Bartolo Colon, uh-huh. in America, he's 40 pounds overweight, but he can still throw 90-plus miles an hour. <laughs> he's got to walk to the mound, he's got to walk back. He's got to walk to the mound, he's got to walk back. As long as he can throw, he's okay. Is there an advantage to, to batting also when you are... No, bigger? no, it probably a disadvantage because you're not you don't have enough bat speed because you're mm. a little okay. too heavy, <laughs> like I am now. Shaq, Shaq was fat, no? Shaq so, was, yeah. What do you think of our little game? Sure, sure, sure. I was gonna say that. <laughs> yeah, cool. So, so we're gonna start with a game called uh, this or that. Okay. Okay. Uh, Ziv, do you mind explaining this yes, or that? Um, we're going to give you uh, choices. Okay. Uh, And then you, you let us know what you choose between two or three uh, things and why. Okay. Uh, I need a minute. I need to find the, the questions. Yeah, all right. So I'll start. <laughs> sure. Okay. So the first one uh, is pitching or betting. What's more important? Pitching. Is that because you were a pitcher? That's part of it, yeah. yeah. But, But with good pitching, you can win because you can stop the batters. Okay. You can have great hitting and you can score 20 runs a game but if your pitchers give up 21 you still lose does any any player is good is really good in both uh shohei otani from japan who went to america a couple years ago he's a two-way player but that's very unique very very unique and to do it at that level is tremendous so he's at the MLB now. yeah he plays for the uh the anaheim angels okay. angels and otani is amazing on both so you're, you're a good pitcher but I, I wasn't a good hitter. No. <laughs> All right. My next question, knowing that you come from the East Coast, Yankees or Mets? I grew up a Mets fan. It's the cross I bear. <laughs> my whole family is Yankee fans. I followed my cousin. My mother got to all my kids. They're all Yankee fans. <laughs> What's your son? They're all, every, all my kids are Yankee Everybody. fans. Everybody. Yeah, my mother got to all of them when they were little and told them you have to be Yankee fans. So when there is a game on TV, you're by yourself there? Uh, cheering for your team. I cheer for my team and I cheer against my kids, yeah. <laughs> All right. When the Mets play the Yankees. All right, the next question is uh, uh, what's better? What do you prefer, playing or coaching? Oh, I, I would always love to play forever, but there gets to a point where you can't play at a decent level anymore. We know we have the USA versus the rest of the world yesterday in softball, and we play softball, and we have a Dragons Masters team. Mm-hmm. you could start the thinking about team. yeah we have the dragons masters where we played two or three games a year but you that's get to s- enough yeah exactly <laughs> you get to a certain point where that's enough exactly um and your your passion starts to change when you can't play good anymore and i don't mean you can still play good but you can't play at a high enough level i love coaching but still like okay you are 50 something right 56 56 yes right? Do you still do you pitch better than any of these kids than your son? Uh, some of the kids, yes. My son, I'll tell him I pitch better than him, but no, I don't pitch no. better than him now. <laughs> God, no. Right. So there is a point where coach Yes. Yeah. All right. Next question for me. Babe Ruth or Jackie Robinson? Uh, Jackie Robinson, because he was a five-tool player. So Babe Ruth could hit home runs, and he pitched. But he couldn't run. He couldn't steal. He couldn't throw that well. Jackie Robinson could do all that. Mm-hmm. Jackie yeah. Robinson, uh, really because he was such a good player, or it was more the, the significance of uh, him being black and all of that? Well, he, he became famous because of that, but he was a phenomenal. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame yeah. as a player, not as the first so black guy. Right, right, right. Who makes or made 
choose better Korea or China if you have to say it you have to Korea choose one Korea Korea yeah what's the reason for that? attention to detail okay I understand <laughs> attention I to detail okay yeah. all right and um, when it comes to shoes uh, which brands uh, do you prefer? Do you think a better New Balance, Adidas, Nike? For anything or for baseball? For baseball. For baseball. Um, New Balance has great shoes for mm-hmm. baseball. Um, Hutch. <laughs> <laughs> they have this shoes. not a sponsor video. <laughs> sponsor also, for him. Also, sponsor well, yeah. for him. Yeah. Also because I'm helping them with their shoes. <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm not that, I'm not that dumb. Um, Nike shoes are okay. The ones that players wear are not the ones you can buy in the store, uh-huh. obviously. Um, but right now, uh, New Balance and Mizuno are probably the two best baseball shoes out there. Uh, kind of like a follow-up question. What makes a good baseball shoe? <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Fit. The, the fit. fit of the shoe, yeah. You know, and and what you're going to do in it. You know, a basketball shoe is more vertical and a little side to side. Um, a running shoe is, is all straight ahead. A baseball shoe has to be wider in the forefoot and narrow in the heel because there's so much twisting and yeah. turning. And New Balance and Mizuno have the best ones out there. They have lasts that they've used for many, many years that the fit is always going to be the same, and that's key. So the player and the buyer can always go back and know yeah. what they were getting. Yes, exactly. Is All it right. similar to the uh, other sports, like a good shoe for baseball costs a good amount of money? Yes. Yeah. Is, it, is it real? Is it because the shoe is a lot to make, or...? Or is it brand and the whole, you know? It's a combination trend. of it's a combination of all of it. It's a combination. Yeah. yeah. And since we're on this subject, like, okay, I also I'm curious about the the, the outfit, the the the, the clothes they wear, the right. players, right? Right. Like, I was thinking this morning, why why baseball players don't wear shorts? I mean, to because be when, more when you, you slide, slide, when you, you slide, sliding, have your you leg sh- on the ground, right. <laughs> and you have shorts, it hurts like hell. So it's that, okay. Yeah, so even even guys who steal a lot that are sliding a lot wear pads underneath the pants mm-hmm. so they don't tear up their legs. Yeah. So you, see protection. Of, you see a lot of goalkeepers as well that wear those uh, ties and like underneath their shorts because, mm-hmm. yeah. So, so jersey so jersey for baseball, there is more material. Like it costs much more than basketball or? No, they're about the same. It's just a different type of fit than a regular shirt. Like we want extra room here because you want to be able to throw the ball. Right. Uh, the other jer- jerseys are dry fit now, just like everything else. Uh, we wear a hat, one for the sun, two for the sweat. Is it um, the same as 50 years ago? Oh, no. They used to wear flannel 50 years ago. <laughs> All right. So then <coughs> the next question I have uh, is, what's more important for you? Maybe it's different now than before, winning or fun? Or what's more important? What do you teach? We teach fun and winning. But there's a certain point where the winning starts. So we use our, use our dragons, for an example. In the T-ball, same in America, same in any country. Usually the games are 25 to 25, and the kids are out there to have fun. And everybody gets high fives and everything else. When you start getting up 11, 12, 13, and start to be more competitive, we want you to have fun, but you're also there to win. Right. Because you have to learn that teamwork, winning, Winning and how to lose. Learn how to lose and win. So it's a balance. Yes. And it's like today there is a lot of debate, right, about these participation trophies, right? Um, that in the U.S., I think, people talk about it a lot. For and against. I guess you're against. <laughs> I am very against participation <laughs> trophies. Yeah. Very not, against. There was a documentary uh, from Australia about, um, I forgot the name, but it's about this obsession that certain parents have with their kids to become professional yes. and, and the amount of pressure that they put on their kids and whatnot. Right. Um, I guess there's got to be some balance between, like you were talking about yesterday and your son. Yeah. yeah. Um, you guys were winning yes. in the game and uh, he wanted to win by way, way, way more. Yeah, yeah he, he doesn't have an off button. Um, <laughs> but I also don't, teach that that uh-huh. has that has to be mm-hmm. brought Spirit. upon by the child yeah. by the player sorry um yeah there's a big issue not just australia in america it's huge mm-hmm. when i was when i was teaching in america you know everybody thought their kids the next Derek cheater everybody kid thought their kids are going to be the next pro player and there's a certain point when they're 15 or 16 that you literally as the coach have to say look uh it ain't gonna happen it's not happening 
and you know i've had parents start screaming at me my son's the okay whatever but it's not happening i guess it's hard like i remember when i was 15 16 i was like I, you know i wanted to be an nba player so far before but then i realized okay it's not going to happen i realized by myself but maybe i i wasn't that good right maybe when many kids are really really good right then it's something like that when parents think no but he's so good right the difference is not good enough the difference becomes marginal right right, right. right. So a tiny little and it's better when the kid or the player realizes okay this right. is as far as i'm gonna go right. we've had a, we've had boys here in the academy who've said i'm done um i'm not going to name names but i respected the fact that they said I, I'm not going any further. I know that, and I've decided I'm going to go do something else. Study more or whatever. That, yeah, and yeah. that's fantastic. Right. How yeah. do you have the conversation? I mean, having been in China for a long time, I know that this n must not be an easy conversation with the parents. Let's say you see a kid that has amazing talent, and you say, like, I see something here, but they're like, uh-uh, he's going to go to school, or, or, I mean... How do you have that conversation and how successful are you at having those conversations? We've had that conversation about five or six times. Um, three or four of them have been successful and a couple haven't been. Where the parents just said, no, he's going to go to school. And I, we try to explain to him over a short period of time, your son can travel the world. I mean, he, he has that type of ability. Mm -hmm. um, he could play for the China national team in the future when he gets older. He can do these things and baseball will help pay for it. And you don't say he doesn't need to study, right? No, no, But no. It's never, just not never. enough for them. We focus on student athletes, students first. Right. That's very, very important. If these guys in the academy are, right. are not doing their schoolwork, right. they're not allowed to practice. They have to do schoolwork here on the bench. And when they're done with homework. Right. But what we're talking about is the Chinese kids, they right. cannot even come to play at three. They're still studying at three, probably Correct. until eight, homework and everything. Correct. And you can't go far only on Saturday mornings. Right. Right? It's hard. So that's right. the thing. Right. And in China, yeah, it, it's, it's a big issue with, with, I guess, with many kinds of sports. So what what so what do you tell them? Like, what, how you've been successful? Like, well, wow, we, what are they, were they receptive? We, we, we tell them, and it's not that many, we tell okay. them that their son or daughter is that good ability okay. and that we, it's called the ceiling. So what we think their ceiling could be, it could right. be way up here or way down here. Right. And if their ceiling's high, why don't you use this to help the studying to do a combination? Um, and some of them have accepted that and some of them have not. How much is the child a part of that conversation? For the first part of the conversation, they're not. For the second part, they are. For the first part, we just talk to the parents. Everything's translated uh, with the other coaches to make sure that they, even if they say they understand English, we make sure. And then we also tell, tell them, and that's why it's two or three parts, because we say, go back, talk to your son or daughter, and then let's talk again. And then we talk with the player there. And I guess the conversation is so much easier if it's a foreigner. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. Yes. yeah, it's much easier. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Chinese, no go, go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I have another question for this because we we'll go this rabbit hole. Right. Okay, next question. Um, what do you think is more important, hitting home runs or striking players out? It depends on if it's my hitter or my pitcher. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're both important. I mean, home runs is what people will get excited about when the fans go there everything else me i love to go and watch a two no two guys pitching a no hitter that would be more exciting but the the normal fan wants to see a lot of runs and a lot of home runs mm -hmm. so it's a 50-50 and the uh the league uh, has uh, helped getting more home runs to get the crowd more satisfied like with rules and, and stuff like that well not with rule um, it's my opinion only this is not i mean right. i think that they make the ball they stitch it tighter and then the ball's going to go farther Right. So and they stitch it a little looser and the ball doesn't go as far. There was no rules to help it? Like, you know, basketball no. became faster, the less seconds per offense? No. 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 I think it's uh, after the lockout in 94 and the, the PED issue after uh, right before Maguire and Sosa, mm -hmm. you want fans in the seats. You know, you throw balls in the stands as a gift and you watch guys hit bombs. And that's exciting. Yeah. All right. I got one more. I think it's the last one, Fernando. Yeah. All right. So what what would be better for a player or what would you prefer being like the last player on the team in the major or uh, or the best one, the star in the minor leagues? Last guy in the majors. It's such a small, small amount of people that get to the big leagues. 
And if you're there, you've reached the pinnacle. Right. And it doesn't matter if you're number one or number 40, you're there. All right. All right. Good. So, well, that was this or that. Let's continue our talk with Jim. All right, Jim. So on the topic of talking to parents about the future and, and, and the, uh, the possibilities that their kids have, um, you mentioned uh, when we were doing the preparation about uh, a small kid that you've got over here. What's yes. his name? Uh, James Chow. And he's how old? He, he's about to turn eight. So you tell us that he, we will watch him on TV for sure. Yes. What gives you that certainty? What gives you that confidence to say something as, as, as certain as that? Well, we see, we see the, the natural athletic ability first mm -hmm. to, do, to do any sport, not just baseball. But we also see the passion in kids' eyes on what they want to do. And this boy wants to play ball. Um, and then one of the things that we start teaching kids, usually around 10 and older, is, and, and in James's case, he's getting it now, is that we, can, we have three hours a day, four days a week, and we have more on Saturday. But there's, to be a better ball player, you have to do other things on your own. We, we don't enforce that. That's up to the player. We show them what they need to do. Such as? Uh, instead of just playing pitch and catch, you have to practice short hops. You have to practice backhand fielding balls. All these little things that it's hard to get into every single practice. You have to do your agility drills. You have to do your, your bands for stretching. And we tell them this is what you should do, and then it's up to them to do it. James does all of them. So the, the mental part is already there. And he grew up since he was born playing ball. That's what he likes doing. He's, he's going to be a hell of a ball player. And his dad plays with him and, and helps to do that. Yeah, so he's I dad, guess his dad's physics, one of the coaches here. Yeah. So physics is one thing. And then even better, it's if he's into it, a kid. And then he, your parents are into it and do it with you. So it's like a few layers. Right, right. That but, if you have a few of them together. Right. But yeah. it, th those two have to switch, though. It's the physical part. And then it's the parents who are supportive. Right. And then it's if the child itself or the player wants to right. get better. Right. And if they want to get better, we give them all the opportunities and information, but there's only so much we can do before it gets dark or before we all get tired. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then if they do the extra work, they're going to become a better ball player. From, from, from you have 300 kids at the, in the Dragons. You have how many in Chile in the academy? 28. 28. From all of these kids, I mean, how many how many of them you gonna you you would say the same thing? You'd watch them on TV one day. On T oh. Three. Wow. And this boy is not even eight, and he's one of them. He's one of them. He, in fact, uh, Friday, two day, three days ago against Shenzhen, in a 12 and under game, he hit his, he hit his first home run. <laughs> home run. He's yeah against 12 year olds. Wow. How much does he uh, understand that he a hundred percent that he is that good? Uh, no, he understands it. We we um, we had a, 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 a newspaper come here. Okay, and I want to interview some of the players, and one of the he understands he's that good. He knows that because he's playing with 12, 12 year olds. So he obviously is, he's, he's the he, size of the kids. Right, he's that big. But one of the things that we're also starting to teach him, and it's a little deja vu for me because I had to do this eight years ago with my own son. Mm -hmm. You're better than the average eight-year-old. You also ha you're also hanging out with 11 and 12 and 13-year-olds all day. But when people come up to you, you have to accept the fact that they want to talk to you for an interview or they want to shake your hand or... So we're, we also teach that part of it. To be humble. To be. Humble's the number one integrity, respect. You have to, you know, if somebody comes up, you can't put your head down and not, you know, you have to be able to talk to, if, and it was a newspaper that came here that wanted to talk to him. And, you know, he, he was seven. Right. <laughs> What can you say? <laughs> right. You know, but I said you beforehand, I said, look, this is part of the being good. You have to also give back for this time. You, you get used to it. Oh yeah, and he he was he doesn't complain because uh, all the girls were out here on <laughs> all the little girls were out here on Friday cheering at him, so he was pretty happy about that. That was a bull. <laughs> Incoming. So so he's humble. He uh, is. He's very humble, and uh, he, his dad is one of the coaches here. His mom is a tremendous lady, a baseball mom. She's here every day watching, and his brother is also in the academy. He's also a very good ball player. 
Right. Uh, Jim, you you guys had a very busy day yesterday, um, and I know that that's part of uh, some of the things that you do here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about what you did yesterday? Is something that we can talk about, or yeah. and also something that's coming very soon? The, yep. the Chile Cookout. Yep. Uh, yesterday we had um, the twelfth annual one for the road. USA versus the rest of the world in softball. Even though it's a long 12th, name, yeah. 12th annual. Uh, yeah. We're 12 and 0. <laughs> yes. And as long as I'm alive and in Dongwon, we will not lose to the rest of the world. Um, <laughs> as long as Taiwanese are not coming to No, China. even if the Taiwanese were, we beat them when they had the Taiwanese guys too. Okay. Uh, so, but yesterday was more special because we also had Martin's football here. Uh-huh. Uh, Mateus Martin runs a phenomenal soccer program. Uh, football program. We'll have him on the program. We'll have him. You yeah. you need to. He's yeah. he's a great guy, and I love the way he teaches. I love his whole program. And they did a lot of soccer, football things going on, and all the money raised for raffle tickets and food that one for the road donated, all went to help Gabriel. That's the young um, Brazilian boy that's here in Dongguan who has leukemia. Mm-hmm. So uh, right. I, it was a great day. It was hot, but it was a great this day. Is, this is one of the things, uh, uh, the community is very strong here. I don't know if, uh, I mean, we are in Dongguan. We've been in Dongguan for a long time, so that's what we know. I, I assume that many similar cities to Dongguan in China have the same kind of feeling. Um, I mean, you lived in Xiamen. I don't know. Is it is it similar? It, it's, not, it's not as good as here. How I, about Korea? How about Taiwan? How about... Uh, those are based, so it's different because those are baseball Okay. Countries, but I'll tell you a very quick story to give you the feeling. In 2015, we drove out to Chang'an for our regular dragons. It's a town in Dongguan. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, yeah. And and our regular dragons were out there, and we showed up at the field, and we had these two very large metal bins that we stored all our stuff in. And somebody had broken into the bins and stolen all of our equipment. Oh wow! All of it gone, and it was five years worth of equipment we never had to cancel the following week the community came together and got me equipment before the next saturday it was phenomenal i had bats balls gloves everything enough to be able a week later true story a week later i had enough equipment that got to Dongwon that we never had to cancel a day because of that and that's the community coming together right well, and, no and, and and staying on the community so like you said before we spoke about the program being free and people donate and and there is a there is this fundraiser event right every year for eight years how, how many years is it now um 10 10 years now this one coming up will be 10 i believe the chili cook-off the chili cook-off yeah. right what can you tell us about this event and so we, we start, when is it uh, held it was started at shooters back in the day when Shooters was open and they had a chili cook-off and it went well. And then the next year they said, well, why don't we use that money? Shooters said, we'll use that money and donate it to the Dragons. And it, and in two years it got really big <laughs> to the point where you couldn't get in Shooters. Uh-huh. So And then Shooters changed hands and One for the Road picked it up. And we do between 800 and 1,000 people. Wow. It's 12 teams, chili competition, and all the proceeds... Um, for the tickets, you, it's all you can eat chili all day. Um, it's a big trash talking uh, competition amongst. You, you could be a restaurant, you could be a single person. It could be a magazine. I want it. You once. could be a magazine. Yeah. That cooks chili <laughs> for that day. We have a young man uh, um, who donates a lot of baseball sign things, and we raffle those off. Jason at One for the Road donates a ton of drinks and beverages for the day and all the money goes to the dragons so and this is a uh, uh, you raise about a hundred thousand approximately yeah approximately US dollar. right uh and uh this is usually most of the cash you need for the year right whatever we get there that's the budget we use right yeah, yeah. do you do any other events or this is the one no only one one fundraiser and and then with help from sponsors, sponsors. yeah money um, not just the chili cook-off just yeah. the chili cook-off when, when the program first started we had a couple parents who donated some money um, to help us get more equipment but we we don't look at that now mm. for, for things like that I mean Horace Hor, the owner of ISD helps obviously the field and he helps with some equipment 
but overall it's the chili cook-off. That's our, our one thing for the year. Now, um, I also wanted to talk about something that Ziv found out uh, going through your social media, you know, the kind of media person that he is. Oh, I don't know if he went through social media because no, I, I don't I, have social media. Uh, no. I have WeChat. That's it. I don't okay, do anything else. So, I googled him. Ah, yeah. Actually, before you say that, I, I, I forgot to tell you, there is a, a, a more famous ball player. Yes. G-Man. There's also another right, gym who's man. Who's that? Because that's who I found first. <laughs> yep. So Jim, there's another gym man, and he played in the big leagues right. for the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, he also did a camp one year, and my son went to the camp, uh, who's also James Mann. <laughs> so that was very interesting. Yeah, he made it He made it to the big leagues for six or seven years. Yeah, I, he's a great guy. Great so you know guy. him? Yeah, yeah, we've met. Yeah, Jim Manns. Yep. <laughs> All right, so you Googled Jim Mans, yeah. and uh, what did you find out of? So I found, I found, I, I was looking, I was, I was thinking, I find baseball stuff. The, I found the first Jim Man. I thought that's him. I saw the picture. That's not him. Not him. Um, I'm more handsome. And then I found some expert excerpt, <laughs> excerpt from a book or from something, and there was a, I think in your own words even, uh, telling a story about race walking. <laughs> Race walking. I was like, I kept reading. I was like, okay, it sounds like this G man. Um, so you did race walking. There was an interesting story of how you started. Right. What was right. it? So I, we were freshmen in high school, and the baseball coach was the cross country coach. So he made us all run cross country. Did okay with it. And then indoor track, he made us do indoor track because if you wanted to play baseball, he was also the track coach. And we were making fun of the race walker one day, who ironically was named Chuck Walker. Chuck Walker. <laughs> no joke. Okay. And he's very good. And we were making fun of him, and uh, that didn't go over too well with the coach. So he made the three of us do the race walk in the next meet. And I did pretty well. And a bit of a shock to everyone. It was not something I ever thought I'd try. And then he asked me for the next meet, do one more, please, so we can get points for the school. And I did it and I won. And then all of a sudden I said, well, I guess I'm a race walker. <laughs> right. <laughs> he had me a big trophy and get my neat picture in the paper and I'm a race walker. So. Was it there to convince you or you were like, okay, I'm good at that? On the, at uh, the second race, he didn't have to convince me after that because I realized I set a state record as a freshman. So I realized oh. I must have been pretty good at this. But did you enjoy it or it was like, oh, I'm that good. I, I, I need to go on with this. No, no, I enjoyed it. I, you enjoyed I loved it. it. Yeah, the track and field thing uh, and the race walking, I realized that was pretty good at it. Um, not many people do it and I was able to and it paid for college and sent me all over the world and so this was from the freshman year in high school like 1980 something like that 82 yeah yeah, yeah not that old Ziv <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you did it for eight years you said yes yeah through high school through college uh, well eight years I was on the national team I did it for high school college and okay. then after college but I was on the USA team for eight years and traveled to Europe every summer and, and competed and uh, trained full time. I was racing for the Adidas track team and then raced for the Nike track team briefly till I got hurt and then I went to work for Nike. Right. Yeah. So how is how is it different uh, race walking than baseball, for example? How is it? <laughs> uh, race walking, you're all by yourself all the time. Uh, you, you know, you got to do 10 miles in the morning or six miles in the morning and 10 in the afternoon and you're by yourself. It's that's your workout. Once in a while, you you know, ask an old friend to ride a bike next to you because <laughs> you're out there for two and a half hours. Um, so it, it's a lot of self-training type stuff. So you're doing the race walking thing for 10 miles in the morning by yourself from your home or in the, on the track? Or school. No, no. I would go on the road. The track was the track is tough. Did anyone <laughs> laugh at you? All like the you time. Did? <laughs> All the time. I yeah. laughed at myself. But... <laughs> In, in Albany, New York, it got to a point where I was in the paper so much that they were like, oh, I know that. They stopped laughing. You know, in the beginning, uh, they were throwing shit at me. And now they, now they, then they, then they got to a point where like, we know that guy. He's in the newspaper. It's okay. So you All say that uh, you probably walk faster than I run. Oh, uh, now? Or no. back then. Or back then. <laughs> back then? Oh, yeah, I guarantee sure. you. I guarantee you I walk faster. Than how, how is that possibly, <laughs> how is that possible mechanically? Uh, my mechanics were really good. I walked a 636 mile. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I have a question in terms of of, of, of training for um, athletes or people like like runners and things like that. Yeah. How do you feel about running with um, while listening to music? Just or walking? Oh, yeah. 
or walking. Because like, you, right. you were out there for two hours, right, walking, and, and it got boring. Right. Would it have been different if you had, like, an iPod or if something? If they had those things back then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Zip, Zip making me older than I am already. A Walkman. The, walk yeah. <laughs> the yellow one. <laughs> um, competitive, competitive guys that are running or walking are not going to be listening to music. Mm -hmm. Because that means you got to carry that thing, yeah, for that long. Uh, joggers, weekend runners, that type of thing. It's a little different, yeah. I mean, you are lost in your thoughts for two hours. It's not a bad thing. Hey, I walked for 90 kilometers once. Did you really? Wow. Yeah, army. Yeah, my oh, in the uh, military. My end of training. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, did you have an aspiration to go in the Olympics? Oh, without a doubt. That's, did you try? I did. I didn't make it, but that was that was the goal. There's no question. Right. Because that's a, one of the sports. You, uh, the only, the only reason I know it is because of the Olympics, right? That's, like, that's mm -hmm. the only time anyone ever sees it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is interesting. All right. So have you, have you, so you stopped doing that? What? How many years ago you stopped doing that? 1990 when I got 1990. hurt. Yeah. So it's not something like once in a while you're gonna go race walking for fun now. <laughs> uh, no, only to, to tease people when they think that they can run faster than me. You, you actually do it for a joke sometimes. <laughs> okay, I see. All right, so um, just before we end, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, you, you did sports all your life. I mean, yes. it seems like you you eat, you, you, you eat, sleep, breathe, sports, dream. All, yeah, all the time. <laughs> yes. Um, is that something you're ever going to stop doing? I mean, or do you see yourself like, what, you're going to play softball when you're 80? No. I mean, some people <laughs> may do that. I don't know. It's there, like, there is. Yeah. There is senior league softball. Um, I will not be playing when I'm 80. No. no. I, I might still be coaching when I'm 80, though. Right. Uh, You're still going to be on the field. Maybe. As, as long as I'm alive. Right. As long as I'm alive. And and, and, and you started something that's tremendous, really, here in, in China, in Dongguan. It's quite amazing. Um, Thank I, you. I, I have seen you doing that from the beginning. You know that. Yep. And, um, and what is the future for the Dragons? What is the future for you? Are you going to stay in China doing this for how long? Um, if you're going to leave, what's going to happen with the program? What do you think? I plan. I don't plan on going anywhere right now. Um, uh, my son graduates next year. He's in senior year, and then he'll be playing ball in the States somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter is turning 11. This is her birth month. We don't have birthday parties. Uh. She has a birth month. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, she's still here. So uh, there's really no reason to leave. I'm doing what I love doing. Um, when that time comes, uh, we have some coaches that we've had this conversation, you know, 10 years from now, five years from now, 20 years from now, we, I want to, I have a couple coaches now that plan on being here for a long time. So right. they would, I would hope would take it over and we'll have somebody that's, uh, coming up to do that. Do you think that, uh, this, this is something that has to keep being a, a foreigner thing or at least no from outside from baseball culture or is it something that maybe it's a good thing that will become chinese it doesn't have to be a foreigner no it has to be somebody that has passion and knows how to teach the sport it doesn't matter where they're from I, it doesn't I, matter where they're from i was quite interested in something that you said in preparation about what xi jinping saw said uh, when he yeah. talked about baseball yeah. he said that he wanted china to be a a a powerhouse yeah. of baseball in 2050. Right. What does that mean for programs like yours, and how does that make you feel hearing this from, well, the president of China? Well, he was a politician that said something smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, kudos, kudos to Xi Jinping. Uh, he didn't say, "Oh, I want a, I want a powerhouse in 2025." That wouldn't happen. Okay. Right. Because they're 10 plus years away from getting better. And, and good MLB here is helping tremendously and programs like like Shoe Woo's and ours and some other ones are helping. Um, 2050 is a fair assessment for them to become a powerhouse. And that helps us because we had kids that come in and they had their parents had showed them what Xi Jinping said and there's baseball in Dongguan and let's go try it out and that's okay. But did it surprise you? I mean, why baseball? Is there a reason why baseball? Like, well, why not they, tennis? Yeah. Maybe did he ever say anything about football? I mean... I, I no, he, he did... Uh, he, he said the focus was on more team sports for Chinese. Right. Right, so they're very good in badminton. You can say it's two-on-two, two, that, that, that really doesn't matter. Right. Um, <laughs> team sports, they're really not that good at. Hmm. I mean, 
basketball, okay, they're they're okay. Uh, Not you've that had good. a couple guys, yeah. right? <laughs> but um, soccer, they're trying to build up the soccer, but that that yeah. hasn't gone, I think, as well as everyone thought it was going to go. And he picked a couple of sports, and one of them was baseball. Shocked to me. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shocked all the baseball guys here. But it's not a bad thing because it helped bring more kids out. Mm. Do they play it in schools now because he said it? Yeah. The, uh, starting to? <laughs> excuse me. The World Baseball and Softball Association uh, two years ago donated to any school that wanted it, the soft squishy ball and the, the foam bat. And China was one of the countries chosen. Any school requested it, they got one so that they could teach it in their PE classes and gym classes. So there is some of that popping up around here too. Right. And some of those kids get better. And one of our coaches, Ken, he's a Chinese guy from Dongguan. He goes out to all the schools. He has a little program where he does discover baseball. And when he sees somebody good, he introduces them to the dragon. Hmm. So it's good. So it's it's progress. Yeah, it's all all intertwined. Yeah. All right, so I think that uh, maybe I'll see you next week. I'll bring my son. It's, it's about time, right? It, bring him on. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody, right. any, everyone's welcome. I was wearing this hat um, at my training center, and quite a few kids were like, what is that hat about? This is the dragons, the baseball dragons. So I got 200 kids that might be interested in coming next week. Bring no, him. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Everybody <laughs> likes the logo, the dragon holding the baseball there. Yeah. So. All right, Jim, thank you for hosting us on this uh, thank you. really, really nice thank you baseball guys. field. Thank my, you so very much. It's my pleasure, my pleasure to meet you. You've been here doing this yes. for a very long time, but it's it's uh, it's about time for me to get involved with this sport that I used to play when I was a kid. Yeah. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so very much for watching. As always, if you like this video, Give it a thumbs up. And if you like the content of our channel, then make sure to subscribe to it. And if you do that, don't forget to hit the bell button to be notified whenever there is a new video out. And make sure to follow us in the social media that you see down here. And until we see you again, this was, of course, China. Bye-bye.